Heavenly Father, we thank you for the tremendous privilege that it is to come to you in prayer, to you, our Heavenly Father. We pray now as we consider your word together that you may remind us of who you are and teach us to pray with confidence, trust, and joy because of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you can tell a lot about a person by what they say. Uh, words have a, a particular revealing uh, power about them. As you listen carefully enough to what someone is saying, you can know very quickly their, their, their priorities, their, their concerns, the things that are important uh, to them. Uh, but even more so, I think words have a particular revealing uh, power to, to show the nature of a relationship between uh, two people. Uh, when I was at Moore College, I had the, the privilege of attending the famed uh, marriage enrichment seminars by Keith uh, and Sarah Condy. I can uh, remember the very vivid emphasis that was placed in, those, uh, in those, in those seminars on the words that we speak. They would say 10 positive words uh, for every one uh, negative comment uh, is the way. Uh, and he would quote one marriage researcher from the US, I think it was, who'd seen so many couples during his uh, time of, of counselling that he could, uh, with 90% accuracy, having listened to them talk to each other for just 10 minutes, uh, predict whether they would remain together in the long term or not. Our words are very revealing. Uh, do we speak with, with poisonous, backbiting, unforgiving words? Were they speaking unloving words? Were they affectionate words? Were they humble words? You could tell a lot about the relationship just by listening to what they said. Now, the same is true, of course, with our relationship with God. Uh, our prayers, or perhaps our lack of them, again, have a particular revealing power to them. Uh, they show what's important to us, what we value, what we think of the God to whom we pray. Uh, the way a, a Muslim prays, the way a Buddhist prays, the way a Hindu prays, the way even an atheist uh, prays when they call out to God is, is very reflective, isn't it, of what they think uh, about the God they serve. How do they feel about him? But even for the Christian, isn't it, our prayers are revealing. Uh, is our relationship with God full of, of, of intimacy, of trust, of love, or is our relationship with God more, more distant, selfish, uncertain, uh, bitter, or perhaps even angry? Uh, I wonder what your prayers reveal about your relationship uh, with God. Uh, now, I'm, I'm well aware that many of us struggle with prayer, and I include myself in that. Uh, they say if you want to make a Christian feel guilty, then just ask them about their prayer life. Uh, it's very interesting, though, at the, at, as Jesus teaches here on prayer, he doesn't, he doesn't give us a kind of set of rules, isn't it, uh, for how to pray. Do this, 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 and this, then you'll be having a healthy prayer life. What Jesus does is he takes us back again to the glorious generous and good God to whom we are to pray. Well, uh, Luke, we're at Luke 11, and uh, Luke's record of, of, of Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer is located just after that great turning point in Luke's Gospel. Uh, Jesus has just been uh, identified as the Christ, God's promised King, who would, who would rule over the eternal kingdom of God. And having been recognised, we saw in chapter 9, verse 51, that he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. He knows that he, what awaits him there is certain suffering, uh, rejection, 
and death. And, and we've seen as he walks that path step by step to the cross, in, in chapters 10 and 11, he's been, he's been teaching his disciples, teaching them about his mission, uh, and teaching, him, uh, teaching them about what it means to be disciples, how to enter the kingdom. Uh, last week we saw uh, the importance of listening to Jesus' words, uh, as he is the one who brings in that kingdom. And so now, so naturally, we come to sit at Jesus' feet, if you like, and listen to him. How do we pray? Well, I've managed to keep the preacher's convention this morning. If you ever preach on prayer, you're meant to make everything start with P. So we've got four P's this morning. Priority of prayer, pattern of prayer, the practice of prayer, and the promise of prayer. Uh, the priority of prayer. Uh, Luke doesn't want us to miss here uh, the prayerfulness of Jesus. Did you see that verse 1? Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Uh, this is at least now the sixth time in Luke's gospel in these ten short chapters that he's pointed out to us that Jesus stopped his, this urgent mission to pray to his heavenly Father. He was busy. He was teaching. There was crowds, but he always had time for his close, intimate relationship with his Father. But this time, something uh, catches the disciples' attention as they watch Jesus pray. Uh, when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Uh, of course, it was commonplace for the master uh, to, to teach uh, the pupils uh, uh, in, in, in how to do things. Uh, John had taught his disciples to pray, we're told. Now they turn to Jesus. And the length of Jesus' reply here, again, it, it underlines the importance of this topic. Prayer is, a, is right at the heart of our personal relationships uh, with God. But don't miss the important application here right at the start. We need to be taught to pray. Uh, prayer doesn't come naturally to us. Uh, Jesus' closest followers, his, his apostles, even they needed to be taught how to pray. We need instruction from Jesus so that our prayers are shaped by the gospel realities that we believe. And so we turn to the pattern of prayer uh, and point two. Uh, Jesus says, when you pray, say. Uh, of course, Jesus doesn't mean that uh, these are the exact words that you must use every time you pray, although that would be a good start for many of us. Uh, uh, Jesus prays in other places using different words. You see that in chapter 10. Uh, in fact, if you compare the Lord's Prayer here to the Lord's Prayer that we're more familiar with in, in Matthew chapter 6, you'll, you'll notice that there's differences, and this one is, is shorter than the others. It's, it's not the exact words that matter here. It's the priorities, the concerns that they... Uh, that they, they focus on. Notice the corporate nature of this prayer. Jesus says, when you, plural, pray. And the prayer is full of, of, of we and, and, and us. Uh, we do not live the Christian life independently of one another. We've been called into God's family. And as God's family, we are, we are bound together as we pray uh, with one another and for one another. Notice how concise the prayer is. Verse 2. Uh, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, lead us not into temptation. <laughs> See, our prayers don't need to be, to be long, 
and complex and drawn out. We don't need 24-hour prayer meetings in order to get God's attention or twist his arm. We can pray simple, direct, concise prayers. Well, let's think more about this prayer that Jesus has given us. Now, the first striking thing we see in this pattern of prayer is to who we pray. When you pray, say, Father. Now, let's just pause for a moment to grasp the immense privilege that that is. Uh, In the Old Testament, of course, Israel was called God's son. God had chosen them to be his special people, but they had failed again and again to trust and obey him. Uh, Later, God said to his promised king, I will be to him a father. He will be to me a son, 2 Samuel 7. And the kings failed again and again and again to trust and obey God. And just like, like Adam and just like Israel and just like the kings of Israel, we too are the same. We fail again and again to submit to God's rightful rule over our lives. We deserve nothing from God, do we? No relationship. And yet here is the miracle of the gospel. God sent his his true son, Jesus Christ, into the world. The one who himself prayed, Father. He came, he lived the perfect life none of us have lived. He died the sin-bearing death we deserve. He rose again in glory and he poured out his, his Holy Spirit that we might be God's adopted children and address the Lord of heaven and earth Abba, Father, what a privilege indeed. We have been adopted into the divine family. We've been invited to experience this personal, intimate relationship with the holy, glorious, majestic king of creation. Now, Muslims boast that they have uh, 99 names for God, and they recount them day after day after day uh, in the mosques. Uh, But not one of those 99 names is Father. Uh, Buddhists chant their prayers day after day after day. They were doing it in the midnight last night. I wonder if you heard it as well. Uh, They do it in languages they don't understand, and not one of those things that they chant calls God Father. Now, the atheists, in desperate trouble, when they finally have to get on their knees and pray, they cry out to God, God have mercy, but they will not call him Father. Only the Christian, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, has the absolute privilege of this personal, intimate relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. Uh, It's important for us to realise here, we are taught to pray not to our ancestors, not to to saints, not to Mary, not even to Jesus or to the Holy Spirit. We're taught to pray to our Father. Uh, Jesus prayed to the Father. Jesus teaches us to pray to the Father. If we read through the rest of the New Testament, the apostles, they pray to the Father. They teach the same. Uh, Have a look on the screen what Jesus says uh, in in the upper room in John uh, chapter 16. Uh, He says this, uh, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and believed that I came 
from God. Uh, what Jesus is saying here is that the whole point of his death on the cross was to give us access to, uh, to the Heavenly Father. Uh, that's why we pray in Jesus' name at the end of our prayers to remind us that only Jesus and his death for us can give us that access. But it was, it was only, that, that's the whole point of his death for us. Similarly, the, the whole point of the Spirit's work in our hearts is that we recognize Jesus as our Lord, God as our Heavenly Father. And so the way that we honor Jesus and honor the Spirit is as we come to our Heavenly Father and pray to him. When you pray, say, Father. And as we pray to him, we are point B, to seek God's glory first. We're to seek God's glory first before our own needs. See, Christian prayer is to have a profound Godward focus to it. Uh, we are to pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Uh, God's name is his, his reputation, his, his character, his very being. Uh, to pray that God's name will be hallowed is to, to pray that it will be set apart, that it will be holy, special. In other words, that it may be given the glory and the honour and the praise that is God's due. You see, the fact that we call God our Heavenly Father does not diminish in the slightest the fact that his absolute worthiness to receive all our respect and our reverence and our awe. He is still the Lord of heaven and earth, and his name deserves to be honoured. And moreover, we pray, your kingdom come. Now, here is a prayer that God's, God's rule, God's authority may be seen and acknowledged by all the world. It, it, it is, in the end, a, a prayer for the spread of the gospel, uh, that, the, that the gospel may go out and, and people may submit to Jesus as their Lord and King and so come in to the kingdom of God. It, it is a, a prayer for the return of Jesus, uh, for a, a prayer that the day will come when every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, it's a prayer for the day that will come when the kingdom is established in all of its fullness as we gather around the heavenly throne to praise God forever and ever. Uh, notice how Jesus starts his prayer. We are to seek God's glory first. Uh, if you like, our priority, our first priority as we pray is to ask that God be God, to pray that he be at the centre of the universe and not me, his kingdom, his name, his reputation, not mine. But having sought his glory first, we are encouraged to pray in dependence on God for all our needs. We go on verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. Now I have to admit I often stumble as I come to this part of the Lord's Prayer. Some of you will know that I've been diagnosed with celiac disease, which basically means I'm allergic to bread. So uh, usually as I get to this line, I think, give me today my daily rice or something like that. It actually kind of captures the sense here because uh, uh, rice is our staple just as bread was the staple in the first century. Here is a prayer for our, for our basic daily needs. And, and God had taught Israel deliberately 
this lesson with the manna in the wilderness. Our, our Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 16, that for six days they had to collect the bread, only enough bread for, for the day. If they, if they tried to save any of it, it would spoil. Uh, for, they had to learn a, a continued conscious dependence upon God. Uh, in fact, we might translate this phrase here, give us each day uh, the bread for tomorrow, because on, on, in, the, in Exodus chapter 16, on the, the sixth day, isn't it, they had to uh, not only collect the bread for one day, but for the Sabbath day as well. Again, it's a prayer for God to provide our daily needs, trusting him to provide one day at a time. Now, I suspect most of us don't have to worry too much about where the next day's food uh, is coming from. We probably have enough food in the kitchen uh, for months, uh, money in the bank account to buy more. Uh, and so it's very easy, isn't it, to just to take for granted God's daily provision of us and, and, and to fall into a kind of self-sufficiency uh, as if I'm in charge of my own destiny uh, in life. It's possible, I think, even to become uh, discontent uh, that God only provides my daily necessities and, and be expecting him to give us much, much more uh, as well, perhaps to grumble like the Israelites in the wilderness when I don't get what I want. But notice what Jesus teaches us to pray here. We are to pray for our needs, not for our greeds. We are to learn a continued conscious dependence on God for our every need. And not only do we look to God for our physical needs, but for our spiritual needs as well. Verse 4, And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Here is our greatest need. Uh, not a job promotion, not a good result in our exams. Here is what we need. The forgiveness of our sins. Uh, we've seen in the previous weeks that no one has measured up to God's righteous standard. None of us has loved the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength. We fail. We do not love our neighbour as we should. If we are to enter God's kingdom, then there is no hope without forgiveness from God. Uh, and yet the glorious good news of the gospel is that our Lord Jesus Christ went to that cross. He bore the punishment for our sin so that as we believe in him, we might be forgiven. But Jesus reminds us here, if we want to receive God's forgiveness, we must be willing to forgive others. It kind of stands out, isn't it, in this prayer. Uh, it's so short, it's so concise, and yet this point, this particular point, Jesus wants to expand. Make sure you forgive others uh, make sure, uh, ask for God's forgiveness even as you offer forgiveness uh, to others. I wonder what we do normally when we have a conflict with someone. Uh, maybe we stop speaking to them. Maybe we uh, unfriend them on Facebook if we're a bit younger. Uh, or gossip about them to others, maybe on a WhatsApp group or something. Uh, Paul writes, have a look at the words in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. We are to bear with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, of course, forgiveness is not easy, is it? Uh, it will cost Jesus a lot to go 
to the cross for our forgiveness. Uh, when we forgive, we always absorb the pain uh, to ourselves. And yet, if the Lord Jesus Christ was willing to suffer everything for our forgiveness, how much more should we be willing to forgive others? A forgiven person is to be a forgiving person. And the Lord's Prayer reminds us about that day after day after day after day. I wonder who you need to forgive this morning. Finally, we are taught to pray, verse 4, lead us not uh, into temptation. Uh, Here's a prayer for spiritual protection. Uh, It's great to have our sins forgiven, but how much better if we were delivered from sinning uh, in the first place, delivered from our our lust and our greed and our pride and our selfishness before we even committed it. Uh, Here is a prayer to God asking for him to help us, to protect us from sin, to keep us faithful uh, to him. Here is the Lord's Prayer. We address God, our Father, in this intimate relationship, seeking his glory first, dependent on God to provide all of our needs. I wonder how this prayer compares to your own prayers, to my prayers. I know for myself how often I forget to seek God's glory first. Uh, Usually I'm a Get in, I just jump in praying about the things that I'm worried about uh, for the coming day. I wonder if you do the same. Uh, I know how often I take the privilege of prayer I, uh, for granted. I have this wonderful personal relationship with the Lord of the universe, and yet I drift into prayerlessness. We have much to learn from Jesus, don't we, about prayer. The priority of prayer, the pattern of prayer, Or Jesus goes on now to the practice of prayer. Jesus wants to rouse us, if you like, to a shameless urgency, a boldness, as we approach God in prayer. Have a look at this interesting story in verse 5. Jesus says to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived in a journey and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within, Do not bother me. Of course he will, isn't it? Do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Uh, uh, The original audience would have understood uh, perfectly the the desperation uh, of the man outside uh, and the reluctance of the man inside. I mean, if a, in the first century, if a, if a guest came to your house, you were under obligation, if you like, to, to show them hospitality, and the shame would be immense if you did not. It's kind of like uh, someone uh, turns up to your place for a Chinese New Year open house, and there's, and there's no pineapple tarts to be handing out. It would be, be terrible. The key word here, though, is, is, is impotence. Uh, It's a combination of of shamelessness and and boldness. Uh, The very nerve of this person, imagine he did this to you, imagine him. He walks up to your door, it's two in the morning, he starts banging on the door, waking up the whole family, you've got the young kids in bed, and you don't want to get out of bed, but he keeps on knocking and knocking and knocking until you finally get up. 
just so he'll stop banging on the door and you can go back to sleep. I mean, uh, I hope this, don't ever do this to me, please, if you can. <laughs> but the point of the parable is not that uh, God is like some uh, reluctant friend who we have to bug and pester until he gives us something. Uh, Jesus will tell us the exact opposite in a moment. The point here is that we're to have the same shameless boldness in prayer. Uh, the reason the person bangs on the door is because it's very, very important, isn't it? I mean, if it wasn't important, he wouldn't be banging on the door. And so the question is, do we truly desire God's name to be glorified? Do we really think it's important that his kingdom come? Do we really look forward to that day of his perfect rule with no more sickness or death or pain? If we believe those things, then with, with shameless boldness, we would knock on the door and pray to our Father in heaven. Do we re recognize our complete and utter dependence on God for our every need? Do we recognize our desperate need for forgiveness? our desperate need for his daily protection from all of our sins, if we believe those things are important, then with shameless boldness, we will get on our knees and pray to our Heavenly Father. Uh, to use the words of verse 9, we will ask, seek, knock. It's a reminder for myself. I wonder if it is for you, perhaps today, as you go home, here would be some good things to pray to get the prayer life back on track. It will only come from the heart, isn't it? Uh, it it's not about the, the, the top tips, isn't it? Make sure you get in a... It's good to have a quiet corner, I guess, and it's uh, maybe good to not have lots of... Uh, find, find the right way to do it, maybe prepare the prayer point. It's good to have all of those top tips, isn't it? But this is a matter of the heart. In the end, our prayer life reflects what we think is important. Uh, in life. Uh, but the point is not that God is somehow reluctant. We need to twist his hand, if you like, to make him answer our prayers. The point is the opposite. You see, uh, see if even this unwilling friend will, will get out of the bed and provide all of this man's needs, how much more will our Heavenly Father? Uh, we turn to the promise of prayer, verse, verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I mean, just uh, imagine that uh, after, after service today, I decided to have lunch with uh, our Prime Minister, Najib Tun Razak. I just uh, go down the road, I uh, go down to Putrajaya, I uh, walk into his office, I say, just thought I'd say hello, like, can you want time for lunch? Uh, we all know what would happen if I tried it, isn't it? I, before I got very close at all, the, the security guards were there, would, 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 would pull me aside, hand me, me over to the police, and that would be the end of it, isn't it? But imagine if I was one of his children, well, the police would, would smile and wave. The security guard would salute and, and open the door. I'd just walk straight in, isn't it? And have lunch with him. 
We are God's adopted children. Uh, God's not hiding from us. God is eager to answer our prayer just as a father. His children. We can come into the presence of the almighty creator of the universe anytime, anywhere, and know that he will hear our prayers. Now, some of us will be saying, well, does this mean that God's going to give me everything that I ask? Uh, some people treat that book like this verse like that, don't they? They print it on the, the, the bookmark or maybe they uh, put it up on a nice picture uh, on the wall and it almost comes like a, a bargaining chip, isn't it, to, to make God do whatever I want. Look, Jesus, you, you promise if I ask, you have to give it to me. Uh, uh, some people will say, just name it and claim it. Give me an aeroplane. Give me a Mercedes-Benz. Give me a job promotion. I want that multi-story uh, uh, house and a million ringgit to go along with it. Uh, one writer writes along these lines, uh, God will be obligated to meet your needs because of his words. Uh, interesting how needs, isn't it, becomes houses and promotions and multi-story houses. But the context tells us here that cannot possibly be the meaning of this verse. Uh, already Jesus has taught us the kind of prayer that God will speedily answer. What is it? It's the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? And the Lord's Prayer, we, we pray for our basic necessities, uh, not luxuries. We, we, we pray for forgiveness, not Ferraris. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer for God's glory and kingdom to advance. It's not a prayer for the advancement of my uh, kingdom and my glory. Uh, moreover, the, the following verses we'll see in a moment uh, indicate there might be times when, when God doesn't give us exactly what we ask for, but he gives us uh, what, what is good for us, and especially his, his, his Holy Spirit. Uh, this verse is not kind of like a blank check that we can wave at God and say, look, you have to give me whatever I ask of you. Uh, what the verse is teaching here is God's absolute readiness and generosity uh, to hear our prayers. God doesn't sleep like the friend does. Uh, God doesn't need us to beat down the door before he gives us what we ask for. He's more than ready to hear and to answer our prayers as we pray according to his will. And so seek, ask, knock, pray the Lord's prayer. He longs to answer it as you do. Uh, of course, some of us feel uh, like in our experience that this is absolutely not true at all. I wonder if that is you. You ask for something again and again and again. You have been banging on the door, if you like, for a very long time, and you start to think, well, God's actually not listening to me at all. He doesn't care about my needs. Maybe he's not even there. Why won't he give me the girlfriend, the boyfriend that I want? Why won't he give me the children I want, the job I want? the healing I want. They're all good things, aren't they? Does God not care? Well, Jesus wants us to know not only the, the readiness and the generosity of our Father, but his absolute goodness towards us. Uh, he uses that uh, interesting illustration in verse uh, uh, verse 11. 
when what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Now, uh, I realize uh, Im imagining this is probably going to uh, leave a few graphic images that uh, uh, you might not be able to sleep uh, tonight. Uh, maybe this doesn't work for the Chinese because the Chinese will eat anything, including snakes and probably scorpions uh, as well. But you can just imagine what Jesus is saying here. The, the five-year-old son comes up to you and says, uh, ask for a goldfish for Christmas. And you think to yourself as the father, now I'm really going to get him. And you get a bowl, you put a venomous snake inside, and you say, here, son, here is your Christmas present. I've got the perfect gift. Uh, or it's Easter time, and the Easter eggs uh, are coming out, and you think, I know I, what I'll give. I'm going to get a scorpion, and I'm going to put it inside a chocolate egg. He'll like that one very, very much. He asked for a mobile phone. You think, I know, I'm going to get him a Samsung Galaxy S7 so it can <laughs> blow up in his face. I mean, that we could go on, couldn't we? They're all absolutely unthinkable scenarios. What parent would ever do such a thing? And that is Jesus' point, of course. Verse 13, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, again, it's one of those how much more kind of arguments, isn't it? Uh, if, if even the evil person will do this, how much more uh, God, all, all, all fathers are to some extent evil, myself included, aren't we? We're, we're deficient. We, uh, we fail in di at, all, at different times. But our Heavenly Father is not like that. Uh, some of us may have had, had abusive or, or authoritative or, or even absent fathers, but God is not like that. God is the loving, generous, and good Father whom all human fathers should be like. And like any loving father, he wants to give us good gifts. And so could it be, and I know some of us are carrying very heavy burdens at the moment, but could it be that in God's, according to God's eternal plans and purposes, that somehow God knows what is better for us than what we are currently asking from him? We know God is good, isn't it? Uh, as we look to the cross, Romans 8 says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If, if, as I look to the cross, I can see the goodness of God. He sacrificed everything for me. Of course I can trust him, that he is good to me now. Romans 8, God, God's working all things for the good of those who love him. And so Jesus is, is telling us here, whatever we might be going through, whatever prayers that we wish are being answered and they're not quite how we would like it to be, uh, God is good. He's our loving Father. He wants to give us good gifts. Now, I suspect Luke has a, has a more particular meaning uh, even than that here. He, he deliberately mentions serpents and scorpions here and the gifts 
the good gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you compare that to Matthew's Gospel, they're all differences. Uh, why serpents? Why scorpions? Why the Spirit? Well, I think he's picking up what has just happened in chapter 10 during the mission uh, trip. Have a look on, on the screen uh, from Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Uh, Jesus said to the, to the disciples, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Uh, serpents, scorpions, are, uh, they're standing there here for the, the power of the evil one, aren't they? And nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Uh, the point is, God is not a God who, who, who delights to inflict evil on his children. Uh, he is the God who gives the Spirit, the same Spirit who directed Jesus to praise his Father, the same Spirit who works in our hearts that we might we might recognize what we could not recognize otherwise, that we can become God's adopted children through faith in Jesus Christ. Here is the ultimate good gift available to anyone who will ask and seek and knock. I wonder if you've uh, come here today and you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. Here is the promise of Jesus to you. Ask, seek. He'll give you his spirit. He'll adopt you into his family. He will bring you into this close, personal, intimate relationship with, with him. And if we have uh, put our faith in Christ, then this is the spirit who's going to help us to pray this prayer and help us to live in the light uh, of it. Now, our words have a particular revealing power to them. You can tell a lot about a person from what they pray, their priorities and their relationships. And our prayers show us what our relationship with God is like. I wonder what your prayers say about your relationship with God. Uh, the priority of prayer. Is prayer a priority in your life? Have you lost sight of the privilege, the pattern of prayer? Do you address God as your as your father in deep personal communion with him? Or have you drifted, distant, far away? Do you see his glory first? Or are your prayers fundamentally self-focused, self-oriented most of the time? Does your prayers reflect a life of utter dependence on God for your every need, physical and spiritual? Or do your prayers show that we are self-sufficient and we can work it out on our own? Now, the practice of prayer. Have, have we been so gripped by the gospel that we will come to God with shameless boldness to bring our requests before him? The promise of prayer. Are we convinced God is generous and good? He is not distant. He is ready and willing to answer and give us what is best, if only we will ask. I hope we've grasped just a little bit more this morning the absolute privilege of prayer. Jesus went to the cross 
that we might come into this close, intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father who's eager to answer our prayers as we seek first his kingdom and trust him for all of our needs. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, would you, would you teach us to pray? We, we thank you so much that through your Son and his death for us, you have called us into this close, intimate relationship with you that we might call you our, our Heavenly Father. Father, help us to grasp once again this morning, the absolute privilege that it is to bring our requests before you. Help us to seek your glory first, to depend on you for everything, to be absolutely convinced of your generosity and your love towards us. Father, may you make our church a praying church. <coughs> church that not only delights to listen to your word, but to speak to you, to love you, to live for you. We thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.